Hello, everyone, and welcome to Post-Acute Advisor Podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, and please be sure to check our website, postacuteadvisor.blr.com, for all of your post-acute care news and information, including our future podcasts. As you know, my name is Tammy Swartz, and I'm one of, the, I'm one of HC Pro's post-acute content managers, and today we'll be speaking with Dee Cornetti and Cindy Kraft, owners and founders of Cornetti and Kraft Healthcare Solutions. Both are recognized speakers in the areas of home health and physical therapy, bringing decades of ex expertise to offer compliance and revenue solutions. So welcome, ladies. Hi, Tammy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here today. Awesome. And so today we are talking about Cindy and Dee's newly updated book, The Guide to Delivery of Home-Based Maintenance Therapy. So you can find this book on the Decision Health Store, which is linked in the description on the Post-Acute Advisor site and in the description of the podcast. So first, let's talk about who this book is for and how it's meant to help, if you could. Well, I'll take that question, Tammy. Um, you can tell by the title um, that it's directed toward home-based care, but I don't want folks to assume that that means, you know, we're talking just traditional Medicare Part A home health. Um, Dee and I recognize that there's quite a few therapists that practice in the home setting under the Medicare Part B uh, arm, and so we wanted to be very inclusive. Um, but in reality, the information we discuss about maintenance therapy can be applicable in any care setting. Um, we know that it's been an area where folks have had some interest in or maybe a little bit of experience or maybe are afraid of, quite frankly, um, because they don't really understand it. So we wanted to create a one-stop shop, as it were, resource for folks to better understand who this part of the benefit applies to, how to do it correctly, um, and to be more confident in your care decisions when uh, thinking about using a maintenance course of care. And, and Tammy, it's not just for the practicing clinicians. You know, Cindy and I write with the idea that the people that oversee the clinical staff, the people that make decisions, um, you know, so you have department heads, therapy managers, you have, you know, people that want to learn more about what their Part A or Part B license is able to provide to a, a, a Medicare beneficiary. This is a great resource for them, too, because it talks about the ins and outs of what comprises a good uh, a, a good maintenance therapy care program. Um, so we don't just want to think this is a, a people to think it's just a how to mm -hmm. for practicing clinicians, but this is a useful resource for agencies and freestanding practices and private practice um, uh, clinicians that that work in a home-based Part A or Part B situation, either um, through contracts or or self-employment. Absolutely. And what is it about maintenance therapy that makes it so challenging or that I've noticed people can be a bit scared of it? <laughs> well, there's kind of been a, a bit of a history there, Tammy, where it's been assumed that therapy is only a covered service uh, by the Medicare program if they're going to improve. And that has been felt in every setting therapy works in. So this idea that I'm going to be providing care for individuals that are not expected to improve, but my my goal is to preserve their function. As, as Dee and I like to reframe this, we're talking about stabilization of function. Because sometimes the word maintenance makes people go, mm -hmm. I, I don't do that. You know, somebody did that once and they got denied. But really using our skill set to focus on stabilizing function is is, is a bit of a challenge. It, it makes many therapists, myself in the past included, um, uncomfortable. 
Um, not sure how you would assess a patient, how you would write goals, which is part of the, the driving force behind DNI creating this resource um, to try to address some of those questions and help alleviate some of the misconceptions and, and fears people may have about providing this type of care. And I know that this is a newly updated book of this year. So let's talk about some of the new things that are addressed here. Uh, I know you've included therapist assistance in the new guidance, and you've included a discussion about uh, more about discharge um, when it comes to maintenance therapy. Can you tell us a bit more about those? Well, specific to Medicare Part A home health, um, previously therapy assistants were excluded as part of providing maintenance care. Um, recent regulatory changes fixed that for Medicare Part A, um, but fixing it and knowing how to execute it following the guidance and the regulation can be two very different things. So we wanted to, in this version, um, provide some of that information and direction to therapy assistants. Um, to clarify, uh, currently they cannot be used used under Medicare Part B in the home. Um, but like I said, we wanted to make sure that we had the resources in this book for both sides. And so we wanted to elaborate on that. Um, the discharge chapter um, needed to be there. Uh, that's probably one of the most common questions D and I get. And a big misconception about maintenance is that that means patients are going to get therapy forever. Um, that once I start down this road, I'm going to have to keep them until they literally pass away mm -hmm. or decide they don't want it anymore. So the decisioning process and how you know when to stop um, is equally as important as knowing how to start a maintenance program. So we wanted to dedicate a chapter in this revision um, specifically to tackling that discharge decision making. Yeah, and you know, to add to what Cindy said, a, a lot of times the way pay, uh, maintenance or maintenance candidates, patients present to us can come in, you know, after a course of, of home health part A or can come in directly from a referral from a physician. Um, so it's really important, just like we understand what makes them eligible for coverage of services under one component of the benefit, understanding how we transition um, to a maintenance program and then to self-management or the caregiver or long-term management of any disease processes or programs that we, we discharge a patient with is extremely important. And people trip up over that. And so it's really important, as we always do, Cornetti and Kraft always does, is that we try to bring forth those regulatory documents to help guide the clinicians um, into how to make these decisions, not just for the delivery of care, but how we should be dispositioning patients and moving them towards discharge from the time we evaluate them. Absolutely. And do you um, use hypotheticals in the book? You mean like case scenarios? Yes. Absolutely. We have one that we carry throughout um, that was uh, in the original um, uh, publication of, of this book, but we use a lot of case scenarios. And I, and I have to tell you that a lot of it has been based on a number of years that I've provided maintenance therapy under the Part A and Part B uh, component of the home health license. And, um, you know, there's it's not like you can say, well, these are the conditions or these are the diagnoses that, that you know, you want to be considering maintenance therapy for, but look at the patient and their presentation and the conditions they're living with, their comorbidities to make that. So yeah, we try to pull a lot of um, uh, scenarios and simulations in, and you'll see that throughout the book. And, and, and you also see that with a little bit of extra that we have um, associated with this publication, which is the, um, the maintenance workbook. 
Yes, I was just going to ask about that. So I know this edition, um, there's a there's an electronic workbook um, you can download that comes along with the purchase of the book. Um, so can you explain a little bit more about you know what that is and how that's helpful? Absolutely. You know, when we were going through updating um, the book this time, Cindy and I talked about, I think in philosophically, as we talk, um, and as we explain and break down the the the, um, the regulations and and talk about the application, most therapists that hear it fundamentally understand it and they agree with it. But being able to understand something and agree with it versus putting it into play and being able to identify it yourself, you know, and using the full component of the Medicare benefit is a challenge for clinicians, right? So understanding it and then being able to actually identify it and document to it are two different things. And so what the workbook really does is through, I think we have more than 10 uh, exercises, um, uh, people can go through and they can practice goal writing statements. They can practice um, identification of, is this a maintenance patient or a restorative candidate for care? Um, they can talk about frequencies and, and utilization of services based on you know vignettes and case scenarios. They can talk about how to uh, update and write a narrative note on a reassessment visit of a maintenance pa uh, patient, which I always considered when Cindy and I talk about this, kind of like a graduate level class, right? You have to understand it and be delivering it to understand what you need to do, for example, under the Medicare Part A benefit when it comes to reassessment to speak to the reassessment of a, of a maintenance patient and the nuances that you want to capture in your documentation. And if we went to the regulations, we wouldn't find that because the regulations are not prescriptive. And so the workbook really gives the um, reader and the person interested in looking and becoming more proficient at, at identifying patients and, uh, and, and being a resource to provide all options for courses of care under the Medicare benefit to their patients. It gives you an opportunity to practice and we give you, uh, there's an answer key that comes with it. And there's also, uh, you know, the best right answer, right? So there's a rationale provided. And so hopefully that will just reinforce the reading and the learning and give people time to practice with these specific elements of goal writing, like I said, of, of writing, uh, of developing a plan of care, of writing a narrative note, of identifying a patient, um, and, and we try to keep those um, situations and those uh, scenarios and vignettes very broad um, so that you can look into it and you can start to see the things that start to speak to, yes, this would be a maintenance uh, patient because, and you can find the rationale to support those decisions. That's extremely important when it comes to our documentation and, you know, in an era of um, external scrutiny and, and, and the high likelihood for denial. Absolutely. <laughs> um, for sure. Well, that sounds like a fantastic resource. And again, um, listeners, you can find it on the Decision Health Store page um, linked in the description. Um, so uh, do you guys have anything else to add about the, you know, the updated book? Well, I think if someone, if someone comes to it and is still kind of unsure about this material, um, we really try to make it in a way that is, as Dee said, user-friendly and directly applicable. So don't think you have to like learn everything the first time you might go through it. Um, it takes time to digest the information. As I said earlier, I think many therapists get very stuck in defining everything they do by how well they fixed someone, how they improved things. And so there's a lot of internal processes that go into better understanding how to apply your skill in this way, but it can be very rewarding. 
um, the idea that our skill set is is very valuable in stabilizing function and helping folks maintain as much of their independence or or activities that they like to do for as long as possible. Um, so we get excited about it. Uh, you can definitely tell when Dee's talking um, her level of excitement about it, and we hope that this book helps to get other people um, motivated to explore this way to deliver therapy. Absolutely. Yeah, I I get real excited because I like hands-on opportunity to to manipulate the information, right? To apply what I've learned and then be able to practice my documentation skills. And who doesn't think that therapists providing care in a post-acute setting don't need additional <laughs> additional opportunities to enhance their or 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 make their documentation stronger? That's that that is pretty much a given, right? We can all that's something we're not taught, and that that's an acquired skill. So I'm really excited about um, this updated version with the addition of discharges and and where the physical and occupational therapist assistance fit in, but also that workbook piece because it gets you uh, allows you the opportunity to practice and work and manipulate the information and 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 um, become more comfortable with it uh, to support your care decisions. Absolutely. Well, like I said, it sounds like a great resource. I'm glad we had some time to talk about it. And I want to thank you, uh, Cindy and Dee, for joining us today. And thanks uh, to our listeners for tuning in. Um, be sure to check out a future podcasts at postacuteadvisor.blr.com for all upcoming podcasts. And as always, you can always email me directly, tswartz at hcpro.com if you have any questions about any of our podcasts. So catch you next time.